When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Realistic Randy is one of the OG callers into Vikings Vet Line. And now, he's one of the biggest Vikings YouTube superstars on Earth. His Vikings pain is now your game. This is Realistic Randy Rant with Randy and Declan on Purple Daily and Score North. Victory Monday, Randy, on this spooky edition. It is a spooky edition of Victory Monday. Happy Halloween to you. Happy Vikings 6 and one day, however you want to label this as. I got uh, my main man, what he thought was macho man, realistic Randy Savage. But I, I kind of had to be a killjoy to Randy because I said, well, Phil Mackey on Mackey and Judd today donned his macho man, Randy Savage look. But before you even said anything, I did preface to you, and by the way, we will not turn this into an entire episode of Wrestling Talk, which Randy and I think could do, uh, but I said you look more like Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed right now. You got the AEW belt, you got a bandana on, like, I, I don't even think you can say you're Randy Savage. I think you got a good Billy Gunn look to you right now. I, I, I'm okay with it. I guess I'll adopt that look. <laughs> But I was so prepared, Declan Goff, to be Randy Savage. I even got the shades. Where did I throw it? Over here. Even got the shades. That's why he'd be like, oh, yeah, here I am. But then you told me, oh, guess what, Phil Mackey, he was Randy Savage. I said, are you kidding me? So then I had to toss it. I might, really might have to include Randy in all Monday notes, Mackey and Judd Purple Day related, <laughs> just so there's not another wardrobe uh, or, or, or Halloween kerfuffle on, on the season. So kind of hilarious. I, yeah, I told... I told Phil and uh, Mackie and Judd, as I've gotten older, and I know you have kids, Randy, so I'm sure this actually is a lot more fun for you, but like, as an adult who doesn't have children, Halloween to me like just doesn't have the same lure. Like, I, just, I don't get excited for Halloween anymore. It does, it does like nothing for me. Well, what are you going to do? Go trick-or-treating yeah. as a grown-ass man? Of course not. <laughs> yeah. But when you have kids, it is a lot more fun. Now, granted, before I had kids, I would say two or three years before that, I started I stopped being a grumpy dude and said, okay, anybody that rings the bell, because before that, I wouldn't answer the door at all. Like, get away from here. I'm not handing off candy at all. But then I decided, okay, go ahead, and you don't want to crush any kids' dreams. Go ahead and make them happy. Why not? So even though you're grumpy right now, go ahead and hand out the candy. It's no kidding. Right. Yeah, don't be Larry David. Don't be, you know, don't, don't be uh, yeah. earning your, your Halloween right here. Uh, Randy, Vikings. Six and one, a, a big win against the Arizona Cardinals coming off the bye week. Uh, they had the self-scouting week. We didn't see a Vikings game for a couple weeks. They were back in action. They win 34-26. Uh, in your mind, why was yesterday's win so important to the 2022 season for the Vikings? It was huge, and here's why. Before yesterday, the Vikings, five and one. Their five wins, the quarterbacks that they faced, Teddy Bridgewater, because Tua was out, Justin Fields, Andy Dalton, 
Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers, but he's no longer elite. I was saying to myself, what happens when you face a dual threat quarterback who's overrated as hell, but he's still pretty good. And a team that I think is better than their record indicates, can you at least hang with them? And they did it. They got the job done, a huge win, three takeaways, four sacks, stuffed the run game. The playmakers on defense were endless for our team. Five different players scored touchdowns, including Kirk Cousins with his, goodness, Lamar Jackson type of run he did in the first drive. And even though the Vikings only won by eight, that win was a lot better than what the score indicates. Because if not for the four points that Greg Joseph left on the table, the Vikings, they would have had their first convincing win by two possessions since week one going against the Green Bay Packers. I feel so much better about this team than I did when they were at five and one because the quality of opponent that they faced mm. was bigger. This was a good step to get you prepared for the upper tier, the upper tier teams the rest of the way. So this was huge. So would you say probably maybe even ahead of the Packers game that this was outside of week one setting the tone that this was probably the biggest win of the season thus far or maybe the most impressive win of the season thus far? No question. Because the, the defense got after it. it was they gave up 26 points, but the first half, Kyler Murray was just neutralized for the mm-hmm. most part. Now, it kind of fell apart as the second half went, but all around, four sacks. Zadari Smith had three of them. The corners were great. Cam Bynum had an interception. You had players on defense from the defensive line all the way to the secondary making a huge impact. And the offense... They found so many different players that could score touchdowns. It was nice to spread the ball around. And Justin Jefferson, this is another week where I'm saying, I look at the box score and I say, oh, he had 98 yards. That's really good. But wow, that's that's how great of a player that he is, that if he doesn't go off for 120 or 125, I'm like, oh, okay. All right. That's the standards that he set for the fans to watch. But I just, it was a great team win outside of Greg Joseph and Ed Ingram, for that matter, as well. You know, let, let's let's get out those negatives, I guess, right away before we get into some positives here. Um, mm-hmm. I am not yet panicking about Greg Joseph. I, I think I told you You're this about, about a month ago. I'm not. I'm not going to panic okay. about this yet. Um, luckily, you're 6-1. and one. Now, if the Vikings were 3-4 and four and two of those kicks didn't go your way, yes, I, I, the result of his actions physically caused the Vikings a loss or two. Um I also just don't understand the need to continuing to kick 55-yard kicks. Now, sometimes you have to make them. Like, I, I, I get the logic there. Hey, sometimes we need our kicker to make a 55-yard field goal. Kai Forbath hit that big one against the Saints. We needed a kicker to make a field goal there. And eventually, at some point this season, I'm sure that there's going to be a tough kick in a high-leverage situation, regular season or postseason, that they're probably going to have to ask Greg Joseph to hit. But I think just with everything masking them being six and one and then still having some other warts on offense and defense, I just I can't for me look at the kicker and Greg Joseph and point the finger and say, you're the problem and let's address it and move on now. That's that's where I'm at with Greg Joseph. The problem is, Declan Goff, we can talk about the 50 yards and out. Okay, you're not going to make all of them, but if nothing else, you should hit extra points. He's gone three straight games of missing extra points. That is totally unacceptable. He is going to screw this team over, potentially in the playoffs. He's going to cost this team a game. It's just building itself out to where on fourth down, you might as well go for it. Or if you score a touchdown, go for two points. He is a liability on this team. And what more motivation does he need than Matt Daniels constantly praising him left and right 
what else is there for him to do? He needs to go. I, I'm the opposite of you. I think the Vikings, they won yesterday in spite of Greg Joseph, because in those tight games going up against the Buffalo Bills, we have that being a loss anyway, but even against the Cowboys or the Giants or maybe even the Jets this season, when you go up against the better teams in the league, every point counts. And if you have a guy who can't even, he has one job, you have one job all week long when it's practice and walkthroughs and all that stuff, all you're doing is kicking the damn football. And he can't even do that right. It's going to be a problem because, like I said, they could have won yesterday by 12 points instead of eight. And that would have been, I would have been feeling a lot better about that. But I'm going to pretend that they did make those extra points. But Greg Joseph is just, you can't go the rest of this season with a liability at kicker. I think it helps too. From from my side of things, of why I'm not panicking is that they have a really good special teams coach in Matt Daniels. Like Matt Daniels knows what he's doing. He's got the punt team rocking. They've had really good kick returns. Jalen Rager is a solid punt returner. I think everything else is working so good for that side of the ball, and that's where I'm not ready to really panic on it fully yet. I will say, I mean, he's clearly now on a week to week watch of his job. Like if you're one for five, you're not making your extra points, um, you're leaving points on the board, and you're le- allowing teams to hang around. Yeah, I mean his. There's definitely a, a watch like on, on his on his job right now and his security. I also just don't know, even though, you know, the Vikings have had a history with, you know, finding Dan Bailey, finding Kai Forbath. I mean, Greg Joseph at a time was really good for them when they picked him up kind of off the street. I get it, but I just don't know if you're gonna be able to find someone mid season that's gonna step in and then everything is dissolved. I think that's also part of my reasoning why I'm not ready to just cut him out right yet. Maybe not, but you can at least bring in some competition for him, make him earn his job outright for the rest of the season. Maybe you can't bring in a kicker that will do better than Greg Joseph right now off the street, but you got to try because you're almost guaranteed to lose a game because of him. It's coming. Uh, Ed Ingram, another struggling day for the rookie. I think he was the lowest graded player according to pro football focus on the offensive side of the ball yesterday. Um, Look, it's a hard JJ Watson, that line tough dude to play against. I get that. He's one of the best to ever do it but just continuing to struggle. I, I'm not ready to like bail on Ed Ingram as a player. He's a rookie. He's learning the ropes, but he's clearly the weakest link on this offensive line, which all of a sudden has drastically improved, but now it's we're carrying around the dead weight, essentially, in Ed Ingram. I don't know if you're ready to make a change there yet either, speaking of making changes, but he's someone that clearly has to pick up his game, or they will probably have to move to a different player in Austin Schlotman or Chris Reed to replace him. I was hoping that he would gradually get better as the season goes on I thought he started off great but it's been the opposite the last couple of games it's gone downhill I'm not saying that they should be done with Ed Ingram altogether bench him now for Chris Reed but maybe give him another shot next year give him another training camp to work with perhaps but if the Vikings feel like this is a team that can win you have to address the areas of concern that can possibly hold you back kicker we just talked about and now it's also right guard you have Chris Reed he's been inactive for every game of this season at this point you at least need to practice him with the ones for a couple of days or possibly even bench Ed Ingram to give Chris Reed to the job outright to go ahead and start but something needs to give because the last couple of games I've seen I haven't seen anything to show that he's on his way to improve it looks like it's only going to get worse 
Yeah, and Chris, Chris Reed being inactive is just kind of strange to me. Like, um, mm-hmm. I know he got behind the eight ball because of the injury, and then Ed Ingram had a phenomenal camp in preseason that, hey, he earned the spot, and he rightfully so earned that spot. But I find it weird that he's been just completely inactive. So does that tell me, like, he's just battling an injury? How come he can't get the second run? I mean, it sounds like if, by default, if Chris Reed's inactive, that it would be Austin Schlotman. That would probably take Ed Ingram's spot because he has indeed been active. He has been the, uh, you know, the backup guard, essentially, um, to, to his position. So, you know, can Austin Schlotman step in and maybe be better than Ed Ingram? I think he could, but I also think he's probably someone else that they're looking at just like Greg Joseph of, hey, they're probably on watch here. Like, there's probably only another game or two where you can perform like that, and especially in a couple weeks when you have to go into Buffalo and go against that defense. Like, I yeah. think that'll probably be, if he plays okay and fine, or about where he's been in Washington, that's one thing. But if he gets worked in Buffalo probably going to be a time to make a move but why not address it before it even gets to that point because if he's not showing you anything to make you feel confident that he'll bounce back why not go ahead and address it now I would like to know what's happening with Chris Reed as well if it has to be Austin Schlotman quite honestly I'd rather go with Ed Ingram because I saw Schlotman in the preseason and my goodness he was getting absolutely worked I don't trust him at all but you got to do something here I think Chris Cooper has done a fantastic job as the Vikings offensive line coach. Garrett Bradbury is playing way better than he ever has been in his Vikings career, but coaching can only go so far. If you don't have it right now, Ed Ingram just doesn't have it. You got to make some sort of change. If it has to be Austin Schlotman, I guess, but I'm going to watch with one eye open. I would like to know what's happening with Chris Reed, because to me, that's the obvious replacement for the rest of this season. They're six and one. They have a chance to go to the NFC championship game, especially with the way that the rest of the NFC is playing right now outside of the Eagles. They've got a chance to really do something this year. You can't allow obvious weak links to hold you back. Uh, Positives from the win against Arizona Cardinals. Let's start with uh, Dalvin Cook, Randy. I mean, just after you and I both kind of said, hey, he's lacking a gear here. And this was about three weeks ago. He's lacking just that explosive gear. Maybe those touches are catching up to him. He doesn't have that same burst and that big home run play that he has had uh, in previous seasons. Over the last three games, I mean, the dude's been awesome. A five and a half yards per carry, almost 300 yards in those three games total. Um, so basically he's been averaging over 100 rushing yards, uh, albeit um, it just seems like he's taking the, uh, the the best steps now to being closer to the player he was in previous seasons, and they're relying on him. Like, they set the tone in that game against Arizona early on. Hey, we're going to hand it to Dalvin Cook, and then we'll make our passing game a lot easier. It seems like they're kind of get, we're kind of getting back to the old Chef Dalvin Cook that we saw um, from previous years. And I do think he still struggles at time with getting tripped up easily. But to his credit, Arizona is really good against the run. That's their bread and butter on defense. And yesterday against the Cardinals, 111 yards rushing, 5.6 yards per carry on 20 total carries, one touchdown, a long of 30. He did the damn. He did the damn thing. He really did. He showed out and. I don't know if this is something that will continue because against Miami, he had that one, I believe, 53-yard run. That was the difference between two and a half yards per carry and six. So I don't know if this is something that you can really rely on the rest of this season, but he deserves credit right now. I guess I will say, too, just the running game in general was really good yesterday. Like Alexander Madison, when he spelled in, got like seven yards per carry. I think they rushed for like a buck 70 against a really good Cardinals front. That is is pretty good at rushing rushing defense, I should say. So good for the Vikings offense to establish that run. And yeah, if Dalvin Cook can be 
probably that version that we saw in the Arizona game, not as much in the Miami game where it's just consistent five yards, six yards, five yards, three yards, and then a 30-yard home run run here and there. I think you'll take it. Um, question for you. Judd Zolgad today on Purple Daily in our Hottest Strongest Take segment said that Kirk Cousins is the NFL's best game manager right now. Now, I think some people hear that comment and say, well, it's a slight because that game manager term has almost that low ceiling of, well, he's not good, but he's and he's good, but he's not great. He's not a, a train wreck, but he only just kind of manages things. Would you assess Kirk Cousins as a game manager right now uh, through the first seven games of the Viking season? I don't take it as a slight, even if you want to take the best quarterbacks in the league and focus on how do they manage the game when things get a little bit chaotic. That's okay too. I think Kirk Cousins, he is a game manager in the sense that every single time, and yesterday it looked like a chance that the Cardinals would come back. It seems like every game that the Vikings have played besides Green Bay and the Eagles where they clearly lost, the opposing team has had its chance to come back. And every time where their backs are against the wall, Kirk Cousins, he puts this offense in a position to at least recapture the lead or extend the lead a little bit further. So I would say, yeah, and even if you want to call him just a game manager this season, his stats have declined compared to years past. So far, Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins on the year, he has 11 touchdowns to five interceptions. He's usually a three-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio guy, so it's a little bit worse off, but he's doing a good job managing the game. It's resulting in wins. I don't give a damn what we want to call it, but I'm not taking it a slight as far as what Joel got said. Yeah, I I think he's been a lot better in key situations. And even though the stats have suffered to a degree individually for him, team success has been good. So I'll always take, I think, that trade-off of, all right, if he's not going to be the 3 TD to 1 INT ratio guy, but if he is clutch in the fourth quarter, if he's delivering strikes when he needs to, you know, this Vikings team has allowed other teams to kind of come back. And then it's like, oh, God, what do we do now? The lead's gone. You know, they, right. they they were off to such a great start. Now is adversity in your face. How do you respond? Third quarter yesterday was their best third quarter that they've played offensively all season. They score a couple touchdowns. Um, Kirk remained poised and was was resilient and was able to deliver some good balls there. Um, yeah, I think he is kind of turning into that ultimate game manager, and I don't believe that that's too much of a slight to his game. The only thing that I'm starting to notice with him that I brought up with, with Mackie and Judd and on Bentline yesterday was it just seems like we're seeing a little bit more inaccurate throws from Kirk that we we haven't really seen before. Like I've just seen some uncharacteristic throws where he's sailing ones over their heads or he's not hitting his wide receiver. And I think that part, honestly, is the more concern for me. Not um, not that his stats have fallen, but there's just throws that he's routinely always made and he's just completely inaccurate with some of them. Perhaps there's some miscommunication with his receivers. For instance, if we want to call... That pass to K.J. Osborne, I believe, in the first quarter, yes, it was a bit high, but it also hit K.J. Osborne in his hands. He should have came down with it. Now, the fourth down throw to Adam Thielen, where he could have ran the ball, Kirk Cousins, for a first down on third and short, led to, goodness, the fourth down attempt because he decided to pass the ball to Justin Jefferson on third down. Yes, that was a bit overthrown to Adam Thielen. But you know what? He's managing the games the way that it needs to be when the Vikings need it the most. He's a little bit more inaccurate than in years past, but it's not costing the team games. It's not resulting in losses. So as long, if this is all it takes to win games and Kirk Cousins, he's not at his absolute best, then I'll go ahead and take it. 
Absolutely. Uh, defensive side of the ball, Randy. Man, Zadarius Smith hasn't just turned into, oh, this could be a cute little fun signing. Maybe there's something still left to tank, or maybe there's nothing left to tank, and Green Bay was wise to move on. This has turned into an absolute A-plus home run signing. Uh, the dude leads the league in sex through the first seven games of the season for the Vikings. Like, I think we all thought, hey, there's probably somewhere the player he was as an all-pro, and he's obviously not completely washed yet, but maybe he can be a nice complimentary piece to Daniel Hunter. Now, there's probably something about Daniel Hunter being on the field that has obviously led to Zadarius Smith's success, but I also believe he has he has a simply outplayed Daniel Hunter, and he has turned into the best pass rusher the Vikings have this season. I, I, I wasn't expecting him to have this amount of success and pressure rate and sacks through the first seven games. He owned the field yesterday, and we haven't had an electrifying pass rusher like this since. And Daniel Hunter, at his best, he's great, but he's the type of player where he balls out and he goes back into the huddle. Okay, I did my thing. But as far as an electrifying pass rusher, we haven't had that since prime Everson Griffin or before that, Jared Allen. He did the half roundup celebration after one of his sacks. I just love the fact that not only is he a great player right now, but he loves being in Minnesota. He has embraced the Minnesota Vikings. And I absolutely love to see that. And not only the impact that he's made on this team, we go back to last year. This was one of the most miserable teams I've ever seen from the Minnesota Vikings. And we could say a lot of that has changed because of the change in head coach. Sure. But also from a player standpoint, Zadarius Smith makes this team fun, absolutely fun to watch. Forget just the impact he's making on this team. You mentioned it. He's leading the lead, leading the league, excuse me, in sacks tied with Matt Judon, eight and a half sacks on the season. Not only is he making a huge impact on the team at this rate, He's on track to be a candidate for defensive player of the year. The Vikings, they have a potential out in Zadarius Smith's contract after this season. Do not exercise it. I was thinking he'll make good plays, he'll have a good season, and maybe the Vikings do move on. I think along with Justin Jefferson and his contract, Zadarius Smith is a major priority to keep on this team, not just next season, but beyond that. So if, if you were uh, in Kwesi Adolfo Mensa's shoes, you would definitely be looking to lock this guy up to a second contract beyond 2022. I mean, you have it to where, goodness, I'll bring up the contract right now. They have the out to where if they want to cut him, they can go ahead and do it. But Zadarius Smith in 2023, Smith, one second. Uh, yes, he has an opt-out, but he has $5 million guaranteed. If they were to cut him, the Vikings would save about $9 million against the cap. There'd be three in dead money and 12 in cap savings. Yeah, they've got a 14. He's got a $14.1 million cap hit in 23 and then a 21.6 mil cap hit in 2024. I say if they can exercise it, go ahead and do that or make it a little bit more cap friendly, but you have to keep him on this team. He is the defensive MVP for us mm-hmm. and could be the defensive player of the year league wide. Yeah, he's, he's been that damn good. He has. And I guess on the flip side of it, as, as I kind of said on the outside with, uh, with, with Zedarius' impact is, you know, Daniil hasn't been showing up in terms of the sacks rate, sack rate and the pressures that he's getting after the quarterback. But I also just think, again, I don't think he's being used completely like incorrect. It just, it, it doesn't seem like he's being used in the older ways that he was, has been before, which was a, a true just pass rusher. And I don't know why you're not seeing him get after the quarterback as much. I don't know if he has more responsibility. 
But it just, Daniel Hunter, I wouldn't say has been a disappointment because that's, that's too strong of a word. It's just been a little lackluster, and I'm still trying to really figure out why he hasn't had the same amount of pressure rate in the sacks that, like, Zadarius Smith has had this season. He just hasn't been effective generating pressure. And I don't think this is him simply going to an Anthony Barr role, which I thought was a big crock of baloney, whereas, oh, my God, everyone else is making plays because Anthony Barr frees up offensive linemen to make holes for those defenders to make plays. It is not the same situation. I think Daniel Hunter, he's just not effective as a 3-4 outside linebacker. And as long as he puts his hand in the dirt, I don't know if he's getting extra chip shots or whatever. He's just not the same guy. It's very disappointing. And if you combine this season, Declan Goff, with the last two years dealing with injuries, we really haven't seen the full Daniel Hunter experience in, what, three years? Yeah, it's something's got to give here. I think Zadari Smith one on one blocks. He's crushing it against offensive tackles. He's doing everything he needs to do. And for the most part, they're on opposite sides of the field. Daniel Hunter and Zadari Smith. Sometimes they want to have Z rush the center as a middle linebacker. He's all over the place. I don't think this is Daniel Hunter creating opportunities for Z. He's doing it on his own. If we can get Daniel Hunter of old. I mean, my God, we've got the Bash Brothers for Minnesota, just like the Mighty Ducks, so to speak. Yeah, they would be killing it. I love it. Um, on, on staying on the defensive side of the ball, this dude Patrick Peterson is just having an insane, I think, resurgent season here. So last year he was fine, right? He was a fine, serviceable, average cornerback. Probably even meant more outside the field than he did on it. Um, but but he has really stepped up and looks more like the all-pro that he was towards the end of Arizona, and I understand there was probably a little bit more juice in his game going into the game yesterday, which I don't know why he didn't have the same type of like mojo and fire when they played the Cardinals in Arizona uh, last season, but there was obviously something pepped up in his step, and he has just turned himself honestly into a very lockdown corner, not to say serviceable, hey, nice complimentary piece, and good locker room guy. This dude's literally turning into a very solid number one cornerback again. Well, he had two sexy plays as a cornerback. If you remember week one, that play that Christian Watson, a Hail Mary attempt from Aaron Rodgers, a deep throw, a deep strike, it hit Christian Watson right in the hands. P2 got burnt deep. He almost got a redemption play going up against A.J. Green to where in the end zone he made a leaping grab, almost like a, almost like the Jordan logo just stretched his body out and made a play, a pass deflection. That's a big-time play, especially on an island. He was great. And dare I say, I thought for the first couple of weeks, I was saying, you know what, man, last year P2 was so much better than what we're seeing right now. The last couple of games, he's been better than ever for the Vikings wearing a purple jersey. But you're right. If he does turn up being that lockdown corner for us, I mean, look out because – This guy has channeled his prime all over again. I don't know if it will continue the rest of the year, but he's playing with electricity. He's playing with juice. He's got confidence. He's got swagger. And that's the defense. He's part of the reason why the defense is starting to gel. Even Cam Dantzler. I mean, Patrick Jones is second. DJ won him. Cam Bynum had an interception, although I think he's having a horrible year. Jordan Hicks, another redemption game going against uh, the Arizona Cardinals. But P2 was lights out yesterday, and I absolutely love to see it. 
Uh, Randy, we are on the eve of the NFL trade deadline, but before we uh, get to that, by the way, hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment on this YouTube channel. This is Purple Daily. This is Realistic Randy Rants. We break things down after every Vikings game throughout the season. Subscribe to Realistic Randy's uh, YouTube channel as well. Uh, Any other observation and note before we get to some trade deadline talk that you noticed in yesterday that we didn't get to so far? Not really. I think execution has been damn near superb minus the two players we talked about early on. And as long as you can address those, this team, they can be at their peak. Now, granted, they also need to make a trade to really reach their potential offensively. We'll talk about that right now. Yeah, trade deadline coming up here. And I feel like we're finally seeing the NFL adopt the NBA and the NHL and MLB mantra. But hey, trade deadlines are actually fun. They're the only sport that has never really embraced trade deadlines. That dude, Christian McCaffrey, had a monster game for the 49ers yesterday. Um, You're just seeing more teams taking chances on wide receivers, taking chances on other players that could potentially help them down the road. Other teams recognizing that, hey, we're probably not going to be good this year. Let's sell off and get some draft picks and unload these contracts. So I guess as the Vikings near the trade deadline here, and it's about 24 hours away as we record this on a Monday afternoon, um, who are you looking at the Vikings? uh, Who should the Vikings be looking at to target as we get near that NFL trade deadline mark? The Vikings offense is being held back by the lack of explosive plays in the passing game. Currently, the Vikings are tied for second fewest completions of 20 plus yards with 17 total. Justin Jefferson has 13 of them. Last year, you were tied for fourth most. They just have not been able to stretch the field nearly as much as they did last year. Ironically enough, with an offensive-minded head coach this time around, the Vikings' biggest need is a receiver. I'm all in on Brandon Cooks. If you can get Brandon Cooks, who along with Justin Jefferson, we don't have that second true deep threat of a receiver. Guys underneath, sure. Adam Thielen, he's been great. K.J. Osborne. He has, he had a touchdown yesterday. He also had two catches for eight yards. I mean, a bunch of other players, they've got touchdown catches as well, but you don't have that true second threat at all that can stretch the field. Because with Jefferson, if you decide to throw him down the field enough times, well, guess what? He's definitely going to be double teamed. For safety, they can just sit back and not have to try hard, shift over and shade along with the cornerback, and you can easily make a play because no one else gives us the danger of possibly doing that as well. Right. You add Brandon Cooks to the mix, and if you can do that for a second and let's say a fifth, you absolutely do it. You have to trade for a receiver. Yeah, I, th- I think receiver's number one for me. And to be honest, I know Brandon Cooks, is he has a heavy contract, but you're seeing other teams kind of eat some of this money. So I don't think it's just necessary, unless the Vikings um, you know, gave something as a sweetener so they would take the contract off there. I don't think that's the case. I, like, I can see the Texans honestly having to eat some of that money because they have to at that point. So I, I don't think it's just as simple as, hey, you take on that contract, Texans say goodbye. Like I don't think that's going to happen. I think Houston ends up eating some type of money, whether it's this season or next season, however they want to do it. Um, but Cooks is up there for me. You know, Chase Claypool is probably the one that also interests me a lot. I just, um, you know, he was fine with Big Ben, but these last two years, he's obviously, or his rookie year, he was really good. And the last, the last two seasons and a half year, he's just been kind of meh. But I think a wide receiver is a big one. And to be honest, I, I know we just talked about Pat P having a resurgence and obviously Cam Dantzler has been pretty solid, but could the Vikings also have maybe another cornerback? Like uh, I know uh, William, not William Jack. Yeah. William Jackson at the commanders is someone that has been floated around the list. I don't think the Washington will be trading him going into that Vikings game, but could they find another corner that could potentially replace 
Shannon Sullivan? Like, could they find another guy? Because I, I think you could use all the help on the defensive back side of the ball, even with Dantzler and Peterson having a really bit of resurgence. I don't trust Shannon Sullivan here. And no. Cam, Cam Bynum has been meh. I know Harry had, had a big interception. That's good for him. He's always going to be a little bit opportunistic like that, but he's up there in age. I don't think it'd be completely uh, uh, negligent on their part to not go out and try to find some type of cornerback to make life easier on the defensive side of the ball. Someone who can specifically play nickel corner, because you're right, especially on third down situations, the guy that I'm looking at to attack is Channon Sullivan, whoever he's guarding. If you can find a corner to trade for, a nickel corner, that's great. But I honestly feel like with Cam Bynum, you can move him into the slot corner position and have Josh Metellus take over as the starting safety, or at least to put it to where Chandon Sullivan is aware that his job is on the line to battle it out with Cam Bynum. I think you can do that. He might have more success, Cam Bynum, in nickel corner than at safety because he's really just had a really down year and a terrible season compared to the expectations that we had of him. But nickel corner is definitely an area of need for this team. Let me ask you this, Randy, because we talked about it uh, over the weekend on Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily, you know, this idea of going full Rams, right? Like the Rams made uh, blockbuster trades. They have said bleep those picks essentially and and giving them up for Matt Stafford and Jalen Ramsey. Is there a situation where you say, as, as as the Vikings are constructed, you say, bleep it, let's go full Rams and let's trade future picks for certain players that we aren't necessarily talking about right now? Like, you don't trade multiple first round picks for Brandon Cooks. You don't trade multiple first round picks for Jerry Judy or Chase Claypool. But is there is there a player and Randy's like and I'll put you on the spot here a little bit in your fictional world that you could pluck that you would give up multiple first round picks or that you would kind of go more in that full Rams mode to make this Vikings team as currently constructed uh, even better for the rest of the season? Not any player that I can think of off the top of my head, unless it's for a quarterback then go ahead and do that. But with that said, if you want to talk about maybe trading up in the draft, Mm. maybe giving up a couple of future draft picks, and it depends on how far this guy falls. Hendon Hooker, man, quarterback from the University of Tennessee. I don't even know if you're going to have to trade up at all because if the only thing that's holding him back is his age, he'll be 25. I think the draft and the combine, that's where everybody overthinks things look at the tape this dude is a baller Hendon Hooker I would make a move for him if you're getting the rumblings that in the second round or even if he falls to the third round again because of his age you're hearing other teams oh they're about to make a move for Hooker then you go ahead and make that trade up but that's the only player that I can think of right now and that's in the draft not any current player in the NFL yeah I don't know if that's what I was trying to figure out with Mackie and Judd over the weekend because we kind of posed that question and uh, should they go full Rams? Should we do this? And you know, we can talk about the Judy trade or a Claypool trade, even a Brandon Cooks trade, but I mean, that's not really going full Rams in my opinion. Like going full Rams is them trading for Jalen Ramsey a few years back because they were like, we're, we can get the number one cornerback on this team. Um, you know, when uh, uh, the Seahawks, I believe, traded for Jamal Adams uh, a few years ago, like that was a, a big time trade. Is there a player out there that you could go in and go full Rams at? And that's where. I don't know who that would be. You know, I, I don't DJ know. DJ Moore? Yeah, maybe. Maybe DJ. Like, he's probably on the on the higher echelon, in my opinion, than Brandon Cooks and Judy. But then again, like, I don't think I'm going to go up and go full Rams on it and give up multiple first. It's probably someone we wouldn't be thinking about. Um, but with the state of the NFC, the Vikings are up essentially three games on the next closest opponent because the Bears and Packers are terrible, and it's great to see. Um, I wouldn't be shocked, and I wouldn't be that upset 
if they did do some type of full Rams trade, given the circumstances, and just knowing that, hey, nothing's ever guaranteed, this player becomes available, that's game-changing, why not try to pull the trigger? And I think that's where, and this goes also be like beyond the Vikings, this goes in all Minnesota sports teams, if there's a window of opportunity where you have strangled hold yourself into, onto the top, tighten the grip more. Like, Don't be afraid to loosen the grip just because you got them down for the count necessarily. Tighten the grip more and make yourself even better. And that's what I'm curious to see. I'm guessing, Randy, that they're probably not going to make a move tomorrow. I think if I was a betting man... Oh, that would suck so much. I think I'm a, if I'm a betting man, if I'm looking at the money line, will they make an impact trade? I would put it no. I, I don't think they will. But if they made a trade for the right guy... Yeah, I'm all in on it. You're probably right. As much as, well, reportedly the Vikings have inquired about the availability mm-hmm. of Brandon Cooks. Saw that. So if they make that trade happen, man. But I, I'm with you. As much as that would be a bit of a downer, Quasi does give me the sense that he likes to play it safe. But that's the guy that you need to trade for. But I, I'm kind of with you as much as I hate it, that they're probably not going to do anything. Yeah, I I just don't know. Unless someone really falls into their lap, um, and given their cap situation, they they also have to basically ma- manipulate the cap to a degree. They'd have to restructure someone. They have the least amount of cap space available as it stands right now. Now, the cap is not a myth necessary, but it is easily manipulable. So you could move a Kendricks contract around. You could move a Brian O'Neill contract number around. There, there's ways to get around this, but then you still got to pay that Piper to a degree. So um, that's where, unless they're getting like someone on a rookie scale contract, like a Judy or a Claypool. Okay, financially, that makes more sense. But again, what is the compensation that's going back to? Judy, I would say go for it. Chase Claypool, I don't know, man. I don't know if he's worth a second-round pick to give up. I think the upside of Judy is there. DJ Moore is the only player I can think of that would qualify for that Rams move to make. But I don't know if I would do that for a wide receiver. Now, to your point, as far as a rookie contract, if Elijah Moore wasn't a selfish player, that's the obvious guy to trade for. But my goodness, if if he only gets one catch, but the Jets are winning, he's pissed off. He's annoyed. He's all grumpy and pouting and all this other stuff. We don't need that on this team because who's to say that he's going to get targets with the Vikings? And if we're still winning, he's probably still going to blow a fuse. Mm-hmm. If he wasn't in his own head and if he wasn't a selfish player, this would be the obvious choice to trade for. But Brandon Cooks, man, it it just makes too much sense not to trade for him. Uh, Vikings go to Washington here, uh, Randy, in about six days. They get to play the Commanders and the epic game against the Bills. That's uh, teed up here in about 13 days. Uh, Your thoughts going into a Washington team that has uh, my guy, Taylor Heineke. That dude can play a little bit. You know, they're beating some crap teams, but he can play a little bit. He's got them galvanized again. Uh, The Vikings will likely even be favored on the road, and they should still beat a pretty, you know, less than mediocre Washington Commanders team. Uh, But your thoughts going into that Washington game next week? Taylor Heineke can play. If this defense can carry over what they showed yesterday against the Cardinals, mind you, Kyler Murray could have destroyed this defense. He really could. He has the ability to do it. But the Vikings defense, they stifled him enough to where, especially in the first half, he was ineffective. If you can carry that defense over to Washington against Taylor Heineke and DeAndre Hopkins, he did go off against the Vikings secondary. Now you've got to face Terry McLaurin. I think you've got a chance. I think it's I think it's going to be a lot closer of a game than I initially anticipated. I said, man, the Vikings, they're going to blow the doors off of FedEx Field, land over Maryland. Who cares? 
Taylor Heineke, he can play. He has a big-time receiver. You've got Darren Payne. He's a potential trade candidate that could be trade. But then again, like you said, you don't want to trade a player away to a team that you're about to face the following week. Right. And that's what we have with the Washington Commanders. I think the Vikings, they're going to win. It's going to be close. It's on the road. But there's something about Kirk Cousins when he pretends to not care, or I'm going to say this, I feel like he pretends to not care about the noise outside, but the way that he was treated in Washington, mm -hmm. where Dan Snyder was just groveling over Robert Griffin III. Anytime that he could come back, be healthy, come back, I love you so much. I, I guess Kirk Cousins, he can take over for now. And he saw that firsthand. I think he's going to have extra fire in the belly to prove his old team wrong. Yeah, he's going to come in pissed off. And and honestly, go, good for Kirk. You know, I, I've been saying this for like seven weeks going into each like preview game situation on Purple Daily. Go out and stomp somebody outside of week one against the Packers. They have not stomped anybody. And that's what I want to see. Whether it's been a lowly team like the like the Bears or even the banged up Saints team, this Washington team, you could maybe make a case is the worst team that they've played, even though it's on the road coming up. Go in there and just kick their ass. And that's what and and Kirk wants to have a you like that moment where he throws for three touchdowns and three hundred plus yards and sticks it to his former team. All all better motivation for him to go and do so. Um, but I, I think the Vikings, regardless, probably win this game. And even though we might be getting too far ahead of ourselves, Randy, I mean, it just this time next week, us probably even spending even less time talking about what happened in Washington, hopefully, and more time proving what's going to happen in Buffalo. I mean, that's that's going to be the fun test, man. That's going to be your true test of the season when you have to go into Buffalo here in 13 days. You still want that convincing win, right? Yep. Then you need to blame the guy that you refuse to blame, Greg Joseph. The Vikings, they had <sighs> that convincing win yesterday. They could have won by 12 points, two possessions. True. They had it yesterday. However, a win's a win. And that's going to be a tough game all of a sudden in my eyes against Washington. If you can be 7-1 and one before the Bills game, all right, man, let's rock and roll the rest of the season. Absolutely. All right, my man. That does it for Realistic Randy Ransa. Any, any last takes before we go? Just win, baby. Just win. Oh, I got to say. Go out and that's get some candy. You're, and you're just, you're just trick-or-treating, obviously, tonight, right, with the kids. You guys do the full laps. Are you guys, are your kids more of the bucket, pumpkin bucket, or are they the 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 pillowcase type of family that you run around when you go trick-or-treating? No, buckets. Buckets. I feel like the pillowcase thing, that was such a 1987 <laughs> thing to do. If you're still walking around with pillowcases trick-or-treating, to each his own. Well, really? A bucket is like 50 cents at Walmart. Go yeah. ahead and get one. And then you're dragging, you know, especially if you got a two or three or four-year-old, they're just dragging it yeah. on the sidewalk and then <laughs> a hole gets formed and then all the candy falls out. Get a bucket. It's fine. That's amazing. Hit the subscribe button. Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. This is Realistic Randy Rance. We'll be back next Monday. Subscribe to Realistic Randy's uh, YouTube channel as well for bonus Vikings Entertainment. We'll be talking to you. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring after two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability. Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. 
Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every sport. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.